In the, in the 80s, this young man graduated with a degree in health education. Uh, for the next 20 years of his life, that's what he spent his time doing for seven of those years. I think it was seven. He was in the uh, National or the Heart Foundation, National Heart Foundation of Australia. I never quite get that right, but we know what I'm talking about. You know the one with the tick? You know where you get the tick? And he spent a lot of his time there, is still closely associated with these people. He has a passion, and the passion is born from the pain and the trauma that he felt as a young man when a loved one, and he'll tell you the story, close to him was taken by Australia's most prolific killer. And he'll spend a little time telling you on that is. So he speaks from experience. Here today to help you discover the beat of your healthy heart, will you please help me welcome to the stage one of Australia's leading heart health educators, Mr. Shane Stubbs. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Shane. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back to today's episode and this is the first in my brand new series called the Inspire Initiative. It's a new mini-series here inside the new Science of Physical Health radio show. You know what? I'm obsessed with the new science of physical health. I was out riding my push bike yesterday. Uh, I do laps. I have a, a circuit or a court, which is like about, as a mile, well, after you do seven laps of my street, it's about a mile long. And it's got a slight incline coming up to my house, and we're right up the end of the street. And I was out riding yesterday, and I had my uh, my uh, AirPods in, and I was listening to some, uh, to some uh, podcasts from someone that I really enjoy listening to. And... I was thinking about the new science of physical health because this person said how obsessed they are about their topic. And as I'm riding along, I'm thinking to myself, that's that's what I'm like. I am obsessed with the new science of physical health. And I, I went along the rest of the episode and it, it created this idea inside my head, which had been brewing for a while, which will become this new mini-series called the Inspire Initiative. See, I'm like this. I love listening to and watching inspiring things. And I was listening to that when I was riding my push bike yesterday in the street. So here's what I thought I would do. I was thinking back to when I was a child and I grew up in this small country town in New South Wales in the state, a state in Australia, because I know we have listeners now. I think we're up to 52 countries, somewhere around about 450 cities or a little bit over. So it's very, very exciting all over the world. And if you don't know where um, where New South Wales is, get on Google Maps and look this up. This is the town that I grew up in. It's called Bega, and it's spelled B-E-G-A, Bega. Anyway, more about that later on because that, that's my hometown. It's a country town of just under 4,000 people. Uh, it says on the sign into our country town, as you drive down from um, coming down Sydney Way, you drive down over the hills and you look over this valley because it's called the Bega Valley. And you look over this valley and there's this beautiful long bridge that was built there when I was about in year 10 in high school, back in 1982, long time ago now. And uh, it's just this idyllic setting. I, I have these fond memories. But I played a lot of sport when I was uh, when I was young and... I had I got a lot of inspiration and a lot of things inspired me growing up and here I am today all these years later 54 years of age and I can still hark back to some of the things that inspired me. So before I started today I wanted to start today's episode and kick off into it because we've got a special guest coming up. Talk to you more about that Kirsty from Canada. I'll talk to you more about her in just a moment in the and this whole inspire initiative series. But I wanted to give you some of the things 
that inspire me about and inspire me to create the new science of physical health and get it out to the world because I'm obsessed with it. And I'll show you why in a minute. So here's the first thing. I'm going to give you a piece of music. And I think depending on your age, you'll know straight away what this music is. But see if it's, even if you don't, see if it's a little inspirational to you. In case you're too young and you've never seen the movie, yes, that is the theme from the Rocky movie, the original Rocky movie that came out in 1976. And I was, how old was I in 1976? Four and six, I was 10 years of age when that when that movie came out. And I it, it inspired me. Way back in the 1980s, early 1980s, so 1979, 1980, 1981, 1982, I was involved, heavily involved in my sports in that my hometown that I talked about. And I would run from my house. You can look at this on Google Maps. I would run... Um, the address that we lived at back then was 206 Newtown Road. You could type that into Google Maps, N-E-W-T-O-W-N, Newtown Road in that town of Bega. I would run from there and across and down around my town, my country town, uh, across the bridge, the long bridge, touch the end of the bridge near the cheese factory, and then run back home every morning before school. And we didn't have AirPods in those days. We didn't have MP3 players or anything like that. But um, it was so it was just you, um, you know, no music, nothing in your ears. I didn't that didn't come out till I don't know the 1990s when Sony made the Walkman back then. So we didn't have that then. But that's what we did. Just went out there and just went out and trained and exercised. So that was the probably my first experience of ever actually sitting down and being inspired. Okay, here's the next one. I love this term. You ever heard this phrase that says, think outside the box? See, when I created the new science of physical health, no one had ever created this before. No one had put together a seven-step blueprint that would take you from the start to the end and absolutely rock-solid guarantee that you will grow your physical health and decrease your risk of the number one cause of sickness and death. No one had ever done that. So you've got to think outside the box. Listen to this. This is one of my favorite, favorite actors in lots of different movies, Denzel Washington. Listen to his little speech, very short, Think Outside the Box. I don't want to fall back on anything. I want to fall forward. I figure at least this way I'll see what I'm going to hit. Without consistency, you'll never finish. So do what you feel passionate about, passionate about. Take chances. Don't be afraid to fail. There's an old IQ test was nine dots. And you had to draw five lines with a pencil within these nine dots without lifting the pencil. The only way to do it was to go outside the box. Don't be afraid to think outside the box. Don't be afraid to fail big, to dream big. But remember... Dreams without goals are just dreams.
I love that. That is, I watch that on YouTube a whole lot of times. That is really good. You know, I've got some, it's the start of 2021. This is my first episode for 2021 in the series. And I've got some really big driving goals for this show and other sections of the new science of physical health. Really excited about it. And I'm doing exactly what he said inside that speech. All right, let's move on to the next one. What is about, uh, not about, exactly 19, 20, 21 years old, 22, I think up to about 23 years of age, I worked at a fitness complex in Canberra, which is going to be related to today's guest. You'll hear about that in a little in a little bit when we get to our guest in, in this first one in the in- initiative, the Inspire initiative. So this particular speech is from, you know, you'll get this straight away. If you watch any movies, you'll get this accent straight away. This is probably one of the most definitive accents of famous people around the world. You know, I won't even tell you. I'll just put this speech on, and then I'll come back. I'll wrap up. I'm only going to put three people on today. Uh, I'll put some different people in the next episode of the Inspire Initiative. But um, this is the last speech that I'll give you. It really is interesting, because there's one thing that this particular inspirational speech says that really pertains to what I'm doing with the new science of physical health and today's guest. All right, everybody, listen to this speech. I'm here to talk about success. The first rule of success is to have a vision. You see, if you don't have a vision of where you go and if you don't have a goal where you go, you drift around and you never end up anywhere. I mean, as you know, I was born in 1947 in Austria after the Second World War. So I was very fortunate that I stumbled onto my vision. And I didn't really like Austria when I grew up. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I couldn't see myself becoming a farmer or a worker in a factory or anything like that. Even though my parents wanted me to stay there and have a normal life. But that was their vision, not mine. My vision was totally different. I felt that I was born for something special, for something unique, for something big. Then one day I went to school. I remember I was 11 years old. And they showed a documentary about America. And there they showed in this documentary the huge skyscrapers, the high rises, the huge bridges, the six lane freeways of this stuff and I say to myself, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be around here with these little farmhouses and these little buildings. I want to be in America. One day after school, I walked by a store in Graz. So I went inside and I looked around and then I saw a magazine. I saw a bodybuilding magazine that had Reg Park on the cover. Reg Park was then a three-time Mr. Universe. And I saw him on the big screen as Hercules. I read that and I said to myself, wow, this is the blueprint for my life. This is exactly what I want to do. I want to become a bodybuilding champion, just like Reg Park. I want to get into movies, just like Reg Park. And I want to make millions of dollars and be rich and famous, just like Reg Park. Do you know how great it felt that I knew where I was going? Imagine the majority of people don't know where they're going. I knew where I was going, that I'm going to become this bodybuilding champion just like him. So it was just a question of how do you do it? 
I was so relieved because when you have a goal, when you have a vision, everything becomes easy. So people always ask me when they saw me in the gym in the pumping iron days, they said, why is it that you're working out so hard? Five hours a day, six hours a day, and you have always a smile on your face. And they told people all the time, I said, because to me, I'm shooting for a goal. In front of me is the Mr. Universe title. So every rep that I do gets me closer to accomplishing that goal, to make this goal, this vision turn into reality. And that is the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger, the famous actor, the former governor of California, and obviously the famous bodybuilder. And back when we were 19, you know, 19 and 20 and 21, myself and my friends who worked at this gym, we would go in there at five o'clock in the morning, and then because we and then we'd work at, at university and then work back at the gym, and then we'd stay there till nine or ten o'clock at night, and we'd use the gym again because we had the membership because we were employed there as well. It was unbelievable. What a great time. And Arnold was the person. He was the one who had inspired everybody to lift weights. And well, not everyone, but all the people who were into it. And we, I was in that culture at that, at that particular time in my life. And I still find him incredibly inspiring. Here's the one thing. Okay, this is the one thing that is in his speech that really blew my mind. Because I've just finished creating this, and then I'd heard his speech after that. Uh, on I was watching a YouTube video um, when I was doing some physical activity here at home, and during the lockdown period. So, uh, the new science of physical health has a seven-step blueprint. I've put together seven modules and put it across four different phases. Now, and it's my obsession. This is my obsession. So, just like Arnold says that he he looked at Reg Park. This bodybuilder, and I knew when I watched that video, I knew who Reg Park was, the South African bodybuilder. You probably, if you're not into that cult, that subculture, you've never heard of him. But I knew who he was straight away from back in my days when I was 19, 20, 21. And um, so I put together this seven step blueprint for the new science of physical health. Here's why. My obsession is to get it taught and use and inspire people around the world to use the seven steps inside the blueprint. So they don't end up like my dad. Okay, here's what I want to do. Let me. Get, I, I recorded a speech about oh I don't know was it seven or eight years ago now, that was for a DVD series, and this is about my, what happened to my father. This is about one minute long. This speech. It's me inside a studio with a little bit of background music to it. But I want you to listen to it because this is why I'm obsessed with the new science of physical health and why I wanted to create the Inspire Initiative. November the 1st of 1989, I took a phone call from my mother. And these are the three words she said. Love, Dad's died. It changed my world. He had a sudden heart attack and it was massive. The doctors later told my mother he passed away before he hit the ground. He was just 47 years old. There is a song by a musician called Jimmy Ruffin. It's called What Becomes of the Broken Hearted. Let's listen to the chorus and the words go, What Becomes of the Broken Hearted? Who's had love that's now departed? I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind, maybe. The purpose of this DVD learning series is to develop some peace of mind from our number one killer. One person every 10 minutes of every day in this country dies of a cardiovascular event. Most like my, my, my father, premature. Peace of mind for my family and peace of mind for your family. If I can help you to discover the beat of your healthy heart and you avoid a cardiac event 
This will give me peace of mind. There are so many people around the world right now today heading straight into a disaster with the number one cause of sickness and death on their doorstep. 18 million people per year will die of a cardiovascular event. And cancer is the number two reason where 8.2 million people will die. And 18 more million people will die, will have a cardiovascular event, I meant to say this, and they will survive temporarily. That's 36 million people. About 80%, we know this from all of the doctors and the PhDs that I've worked with in cardiology and medicine and public health, exercise science, exercise physiology, pediatric cardiology, and the list goes on. I've worked with and consulted with and got the research of all of the hundreds of, literally hundreds of PhDs from around the world. Because that's what the new science of physical health is. It's flipping complex medical research research that's current in this last decade and turning it into simple lessons that we can use. See, the core principle that is inside the new science of physical health, if you find out about it, dive into it, deeply engage with it, use it, and track it with this thing that I've created called the seven-step blueprint, a person will almost certainly not end up like my father and, and they will not die of a cardiovascular event at a ridiculously young age. See, I don't even know whether most people are aware the number one cause of sickness and death for men and for women is cardiovascular disease, and yet there are things that you can do that can drive down your risk significantly, regardless of genetics. So if you don't embrace it, your risk goes through the roof. So here is how the Inspire initiative is going to work. This is the intro to the, to the first episode. That I have reached out to some people around the world. So not big stars, not people who are famous, but what people like me who are just ordinary. Well, I want you to meet them, to see, and this is an interesting kind of paradox, to see how extraordinary they actually are, but they don't know it. They are doing something that most people don't do. Did you know 63% of adults, this is some of the research that I've worked through, 63% of adults do zero physical activity per week. Zero, nil, nada, naught, nothing. In Australia, this is in where I live, and for all the countries across the world where we're living, you know, I look down my list all the time of the countries where people come from, uh, places like uh, in uh, Manila and Singapore and throughout the Asia-Pacific region, through New Zealand, we've got listeners, but far away as Moscow, in M- Moscow in Russia. I mean, that blows my mind. Well, there's some other places like in uh, the United Arab Emirates and in Italy. I've got someone, I looked this up on Google Maps, someone right in Italy, middle of Italy, has bought my book. I'm going, how the heck did that happen? And, you know, places across the planet. In fact, I should look down at some stage and, and read out some of the cities of where I've actually got um, listeners from because it, it really does. And, in fact, why don't I just do that now? Like, as I'm talking here right now, I'm going into the locations of some of the places of where people come from who listen to this, some of the countries. So we've got the United States, United Kingdom, Netherlands, Canada, Australia, of course, Netherlands. I've never met anyone in the Netherlands. How did this show get to the Netherlands? I don't know. Um, India, United Arab Emirates, Norway, um, Indonesia, Qatar, Germany, Mexico, Brazil, France, Malaysia, Singapore, Morocco. It goes on and on. Slovenia. I have no no chance of me meeting someone in Slovenia. People in Ireland, the person in Italy, people in Italy, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Jamaica, Philippines, Austria, Russia, Oman, 
Kazakhstan, for heaven's sakes, Egypt, Romania, Argentina, Bahrain, I think you say Bahrain, um, Hungary, Belgium, Greece, Turkey, Albania. I'm not reading the list off the internet. I'm looking at my podcast um, uh, uh, stats uh, website because you can log in as the podcast owner and you can see all the stats. And these are literally all the countries. Mauritius, Peru, Sweden, Spain, Switzerland, Denmark, Israel, Colombia, Guam, Albania, Turkey, Honduras, I can't, there's so many cities, I can't even, Luxembourg, um, it just goes on and on and on. And I've, I've got to say, I find that completely stunning. So, no matter where you are, my goal is to reach out to people all over the world so that they don't end up like my father. But in Australia where I live, that's what I was saying, 98.1% of te- teenagers by the age of 15 don't reach the recommended amount of physical activity per week in order to be physically healthy. That was that statement was produced on October the 1st of 2019 by Dr. Tony Bartoni, the chief medical officer for the Australian the president for the Australian Medical Association. That's the data that he produced and gave out in a speech here in Australia. You know what? I'm almost certain it's very very similar in most of the countries that I'm that I've just listed just there. So they're not meeting the minimum goal. I'm thinking to myself, come on, we've got to be able to do something to change that. And that's why I created the new science of physical health. So these people, those teenagers that I just mentioned, from 15 and on, they're driving straight into the number one cause of sickness and death, and they have no earthly idea. None. And I know they don't, because I've talked to them, lots and thousands of them over the years. They have no idea. So I know the pain of losing a parent when he was just 47 years old, from a condition that he bought on himself, but he didn't know was happening. And I have loved teaching health and physical education now for 32 years with over 30,000 lessons face-to-face. You know what? There's so much hidden inside medical journals from research professors that I want to get out and flip into simple lessons and give it to everybody. So what we need to do in order to get that is this Inspire initiative is you need to meet some people that are using some of what the professors inside the medical journals would want you to do. So I'm going to introduce you today to Kirsty from Canada. Well, she is from Canada now, but she wasn't originally. You'll see in just a second. So in this episode today, we're going to meet Kirsty. And this what's really cool about this is I met Kirsty, or I reached out to Kirsty because I belong to a particular Facebook group called Les Mills On Demand. Now, what's really weird about that is that you're in this in um, the Inspire Initiative series that we've got in here. In a few weeks' time, I'm going to be in interviewing one of the in the uh, people responsible for inventing. Les Mills International. So the Les Mills, if you don't know what it is, come listen to this episode and then listen to the a couple of episodes time why why I'm going to interview. So it's a worldwide phenomenon. The Facebook group that I belong to has over 137,000 people and I did a little check the other day on some data search. Les Mills, the website for it's a it's a physical activity website. It has over 2 million people visiting their site a month. 2 million people from around the world. It's a movement. Well, guess what? The person responsible for that movement is going to be on this in the initiative, the Inspire initiative series. 
okay? The Inspire Initiative series. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's hard to say, actually, when you put it together. It's going to be on this series, the person who invented it. You know why? Because you know, remember when I talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger being a hero and being an inspiration to me, and when we were back in the gym when I was 19 and 20 and 21? Well, guess what? The person who owned the gym, the person I worked for, is the creator of Les Mills Asia Pacific and Les, as a whole, not wholly, but in partnership, big time responsible for, and I can't wait to tell you the story about that, for bringing Les Mills around the world with Les Mills International. His name is Bill Robinson. He's not someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger that you've never heard of, but I met him when I was 19 years of age, and I am inspired by what he's done. But before I get to Bill, in a couple of episodes' time, one of the creators and founders of it, and we hear about his inspirational story, here's the really cool thing. I'm going to introduce you to someone that he's inspired, who now lives in Canada, but's from somewhere else, who's changed their life as a result of his inspiration. And he's inspired me back when I was 19, and what he's done with Les Mills blows my mind. So... Let me start this episode today with our first guest and, and the Inspire Initiative, and it's Kirsty from Canada. Oh, now just before, I just remembered, just before I introduced you to Kirsty and our interview, which I was so excited to do, and I'm really thrilled to be able to bring her to you in our first episode here of the Inspire Initiative, I want you to do this. You need to get a, this a podcast series, and I love listening to podcasts, and I know people who are enjoying this around the world do. I want you to go to Kirsty's Instagram. Now, I'm not an Instagram person. You know, I'm 54. I'm kind of barely on social media, but um, I'm inspired by the social media side of things as well. So Kirsty's Instagram, I'll put in the show notes. Now, I'll read it out to you. It's at KJ3FitLife. F-I-T-L-I-F-E, Fit Life. So at KJ3, number three, Fit Life, F-I-T-L-I-F-E. So that's her Instagram. Now, she's already started using one really cool part of the new science of physical health with the health software and tracking something there directly related to the number one cause of sickness and death. But her, what's inspiring is the visual side of where she's gone. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how much where she's gone to and what she's accomplished in the transformation. I want you to go and look at it at the Instagram. You'll be blown away. There's video content there, a lot of the images. I do like Instagram. I love looking through it, but I don't want to get too caught up in social media. But for those of you who are Instagrammers, do this for me. I really want you to do this. And I'm I'm actually not signed up to Instagram, but as a result of Kirsty's stuff, I am going to. I want you to go to her Instagram. So it's Kirsty Beck, B-E-C-K-K-I-R-S-T-Y, B-E-C-K, but her handle, as I think that's what you call it, is at KJ3FitLife. Now, I'll put the link, the direct link, to her Instagram in the show notes for today. For all listeners, go to that and look at who you're talking to, you're listening to here in this today's episode, which is really cool, and... Go and follow that. I want more people to come and get inspired. If you're an Instagrammer, go follow that. All right, everybody. Now it's time to bring you Kirsty. So I want to welcome today to the um, to the show, the Health Secret Show, the New Science of Physical Health, Kirsty Beck. Now, Kirsty, you're going to sound like you're not in Canada, but you're in Canada. Is that right? Yeah, and that's correct. I'm in Australia. What time is it for you in Canada at the moment? Where and whereabouts are you? So it's just after 5 p.m. So yep. it's 5 away, and I'm actually in Toronto, 
and Ontario, Canada. Ontario, fantastic. But you don't have a Toronto accent. Yeah, I'm actually I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. It should be Toronto. <laughs> That's a bit better. That's a bit better. So you obviously um, you obviously emigrated from Scotland. Um, and how long ago did you do that? So we moved over. I moved over with my partner, who is actually French, um, yep. not French Canadian, French from France. Yeah. Um, we moved over January 2017. Um, the background to that was purely for adventure. Uh, there was actually no plan or anything like that. We dropped our jobs. We were currently we were living in Paris um, yep. in France, and uh, we quit our jobs and came out here on a working holiday visa. Yep. Um, yep because I actually have extended family out here. My dad's cousins all live out here. So we did a family um, visit to Canada in 2015 yeah. um, and loved it, fell in love with it and decided let's just go on an adventure. So we got the working holiday visa and now been out here for uh, four years. It'll be four years at the end of this month. Is it tough um, to get a visa for you in Canada? Actually, yes. Um, it's a roundabout process where you actually have to go into a, a, a lucky dip, effectively. So oh. you put your nationality in, your passport number in, and that's it. And then they will just pull you out and you give you an invite. And that's the same for the UK. I had to go into the UK pool yeah. and Guillaume had to go into the French pool. So we were completely separate. We couldn't even apply together. So wow. it was complete luck that we both got oh, invites. Amazing. Yeah, that, yeah, that's incredible. So t let me do this because this is the way I like that when I'm interviewing someone who is involved in the physical activity now. So what are you? What are you in your in your mid twenties? Like how how old are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm 28 actually. Yeah. Okay. So you're 28 years old. Um, and don't we get don't we go from 18 to 28 very fast? Do you ever yes. did you ever think about that? I remember at 28, I remember going to a 10 year reunion from my school and oh, thinking, cool. how the heck did I get to 28 so fast? <laughs> Um, I do feel like I've blinked my eyes and the, the whole, I know that I'm not quite at the end of my 20s yet. I've still got another year to go, but I yeah. feel like it's snap it's of the life. fingers and it's gone. Um, yeah, it's a yeah, like, life. Yeah. Let me, take, let me take you back to Scotland. That's where you grew up. Is that right? Yes. yes. And whereabouts in Scotland? I don't know the landscape very well at all, the geography there. So basically you've got Scotland and you've got the water on either side. If yeah. you draw a line straight in the middle of it and then plop a dot down, there's a place called Falkirk and that's where I'm from. Falkirk? Oh, Falkirk. Okay. And how big, like, is it a city? Is it like a country town? Um, it's a mixture. I think there's 100,000 people for the population. So it's fairly big. It's basically a stopping point for in between Glasgow and Edinburgh. Okay. So Edinburgh being the capital and Glasgow being the biggest city, actually, in Scotland. There's only six cities in Scotland. Wow. And Falkirk is not one. <laughs> What's the population of Scotland? Five million. Just okay. over five. I think it's 5.5 million. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. So you grow up there, right in the middle of the country, um, away from away from the ocean. Um, and... Uh, uh, well, I guess it's not very fast. It's pretty close, yeah. yeah. Either side, yeah. How, how it's, long, uh, it's an hour. It take to get, how long does it take to get to Edinburgh or Glasgow? An hour. <laughs> okay. Let's call it you live close to the ocean, even though you live in the middle <laughs> of the country. If you lived in the middle of Australia, it's about, I don't know, a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> if you were driving, um, that's for sure. So, uh, um, but does it ever get warm enough to use the beach in Scotland? You can never go into the sea. Well, I mean, people do do it. They do dips with just like their bathing costume on or whatever, yeah. but um, it's not a regular thing people do. But I mean, we, we hit 30 degrees, but that's like two days of the whole year and that's your summer. Wow. 
that that you know what it is it's I, and i like this idea of the zoom technology because that's not something that anyone in australia ever grows up with we are like the sun loving nation of the world you know it's just like hit the beaches it's you know, 30 degrees is like, we, we haven't even got warmed up by 30 degrees. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I mean, it's like that here. Um, the one thing that I found with Canada is it's crazy, the weather difference. Winter will get down to minus 30, which is standard, and then in the wow. summer you're above the 30s. Is that right? It's a, a 60-degree swing all year round. It's crazy. That's amazing. So it snows in Toronto? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like we have to drive like four or five hours to get the snow in the winter. That's crazy. <laughs> in one or two places in Australia, so it's very different. So let me take you back because here's a question I'm really interested in asking you in regards to um, the way that you grew up. So you go to, you call it primary school in Scotland? Yeah, so yeah primary and then secondary. Primary and then you go to secondary school there. High school, and, yeah. Is, and high school, yeah, same as us, high school. So is high school from year seven to year 12 for you in Scotland? Um, I guess it would be, but we don't call it year seven. Uh, well, actually, we do, like, I think it's kindergarten. I don't know if that's what you call it in Australia. Yeah, um, that's um, nursery for us. <laughs> so right, nursery, yeah. you start at uh, ages three or four. Yep. Um, and yep. then primary school, you normally start around five years old. And you go up to primary seven. And yep. then you will go into secondary school, which is high school, and that goes from S1 to S6. Oh, okay. So how old are you when you went to high school? Uh, I think it's 13, 13 years old. So I have to do the math. But. Around the same age. So yeah. I particularly want to talk about the experiences of high school because they're the ones that are most familiar to you. Um, yep. So you go from S1 and is going to S6 compulsory or can you finish at S4? You can... I believe, yeah, you can finish at S4, which is uh, what was, for me, my standard grades. I think the, the education system's changed since yeah. or slightly altered. But um, we would do standard grades from, I, I started S3, S4, but you normally sit them at the end of S4. And then when you go into fifth year and sixth year, you do your hires and advanced hires. But yeah. those are normally things that you would need to get into university. But you can stop at S4 and go to what we would be college or yeah. um, like further learning somewhere else or an apprenticeship. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I got you. So you, you went through and did, I think, I, I don't know if I read that correctly. Have you got a university degree? Is that right? Yeah. Well, and what's your background? What, what's your, your degree in? I'm a mechanical engineer. Yes, that is different. For, I don't hear of too many girls that I know, women that I know who are mechanical engineers. So then tell me about that. Like, what does a mechanical engineer do? Um, a mechanical engineer can do anything in actual fact, and that's one of the reasons why I went into it. It was a diversity of being able to go anywhere and everywhere. So a bit of my background right now is I've actually worked in aeronautics. I've worked in the automobile sector. I've worked in renewable energies. I've worked in primarily oil and gas, but now I work in building design because that's wow. where the market is here in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. And do I've you been all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Out of those different um, genres of mechanical engineering, is there something that you have a bit of a passion for in that? I love building design now, actually. I am, it's something that is sustainable because we always need new buildings, but it's the technology and the different um, design that you can do. And I like, so we're going to passive design and 
um, passive house design is so different to something that I learned at university as well. I, I can't, I don't specialize in that. I just do the mechanical systems, plumbing systems and electrical systems of the house itself. So I do the skeletal part of it basically. Yeah. Um, and then we've got actual passive house um, certified people that will do the cool design of how to get the energy levels as low as possible in your house. Wow. So it's an ever-changing technology. It's this is unbelievable crazy. because it's it's like um it's like a world that the average mechanical engineer is like a world that the average person they, they don't think of that it even know that it even exists. I don't think. Yeah. If, if you're not in that if not in that space. So here's the question I have back to school. Okay, that I'm really yes. fascinated with, particularly as I know nothing about the Scottish education system. I don't know how it works, and I don't know what your structure is in relation to into my field of yes. um, health and physical education. So do you have standard PE lessons like that you from from S1 uh, sorry um from uh, high school S1 to S6? Yes, we do. Um, it is physical education like you said PE and it is um, compulsory as well in our um, education system. So we would have to do it it, it varies. I went to quite a big um, high school, actually, for where I lived. Like, I was in one of the bigger ones. In the, so the central part of Scotland is called the Central Belt. Yep. Um, so I went to a high school with about 2,000 pupils. Oh, that's about so, the school that I teach at has 2,000, and it's huge. Yes. Yeah, so I was in a big high school for where I lived. Yeah. Um, we had, like, a swimming pool. We had, like, um, a basketball court. We had outdoor astroturf as well. So uh-huh. PE lessons would vary from football to basketball to hockey, actually. Hockey was a standard one as well, and softball as well. Yeah, Scotland's very good at hockey, field hockey. <laughs> yeah, I had to play hockey. So I changed high schools in S6, and yeah. hockey was mandatory after school. So I actually had like a hockey stick and everything. And oh. this was like field hockey, not like hockey, what they call it here. No, no, which is not that, I know what you mean because we don't have <laughs> hockey in Australia. I know they yeah. do. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I know Scotland in the Commonwealth Games always does really well at field hockey. <laughs> so that's like. It's compulsory for some schools. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. It's, I, think it's a, I, think it's a, I think it's a cultural thing that, that they have. Yeah, um, I think it's a playoff of Shinty. I don't know if you know Shinty. No, I don't know Shinty. So Shinte is a game, it's basically hockey with no rules. Uh, you have a stick and you whack anyone anywhere, basically. What? I would definitely recommend looking it up. It's kind oh, of I'm like... Look, no, I've never heard of that. It's horrible. It's so violent. But we're talking a hockey stick, a wooden hockey stick. Pretty much a hockey stick. It looks like that, except it's, I think it's kind of like... Oh, what's it called that's got the net at the end? Oh, like... Um, a lacrosse. Well, lacrosse. Yeah, kind lacrosse. of like that, but it, it is like a hockey stick. and you, you just whack people in the shins, and I think that's why it's called Shinte. Oh, that is ridiculous. <laughs> that is like amazing. That is a Scottish game. I've, ne- I've, been teaching, I've been teaching physical education and health for 32 years. I never heard of that. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh, so I wonder if I can bring that into my school. <laughs> uh, try. I'm sure the kids would love it. Yeah, I'm sure they would. Some of them would. I'd like it. <laughs> um, so here's the question I've got about it. Tell me about, describe to me what you remember about the structure of your PE lessons? Like, what happens in them? That's a really good question because I've been picking my brains, like, since you kind of, like, sent me a few questions. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. trying to remember um, what and it was like. But... Done, that's a good indictment because I'm asking this question of everybody because I, it has a particular – it's the start of me asking people about what do they know about – physical activity and being healthy 
versus what they learned at school through PE was, did you have health as a subject attached to PE? We do yes. in Australia. It know. was attached. So like some weeks we would be in the classroom learning yep. about the body and whatnot. Um, but for the PE lessons, like the physical part of it, from what I remember is that we had to bring our PE kits the day that we had PE and we had like a changing room. So you'd go straight into the changing rooms, get changed and then go to wherever your designated like class was. Yeah. Um, so it could have been like one of the halls. We could have been playing like badminton or something like that. You would do the class and then you go get changed and then you go to your next lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so like, Here's the question I have, because this is what I envisage happening, that all of the PE lessons that we have in Australia and all the other people I've spoken to around the world, they're all based around a sport, driven by a sport. Is that the case? Is that your memory, that PE is just related to different types of sports? Yeah, pretty much. That would be it. So we would know that we're doing badminton one day or swimming the next or um, from... From memory, it did. It rotated every week. It was never like one set thing that we'd do like for a block. We wouldn't learn football for two or three weeks and then change. I think it actually rotated like one week was badminton, next week basketball, next week football. So we got to try different things. I think it was more setting us up for trying to find a passion maybe yeah, um, rather than actually teaching us a sport. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying there. So here's the question that I want to ask you about. So um, I, this guy owns a game called CrossNet. He's invented this game and he's got it through Walmart in America. He and his, um, his couple of friends, he's in his late 20s. And he said to me that they did PE classes in Florida in the United States. And he said they remember being in the class for an hour and just hiding in the class and never do, actually doing anything. Like there was, no, there was nothing to track whether or not they were physically doing anything. We had teachers watch us. We did. But like we what annoyed me most about my PE lessons is that we got segregated into female or male. And that frustrated me because me and another girl, we were actually, I guess, quite competitive. I was always really big. I was always the I I got bullied for it in high school as well. I've always been relatively um, heavy but I always did try at PE and I I remember being really good at softball and like really trying to whack the ball to actually get like what would be a home run or whatever but the other girls would just not do anything and that really frustrated me and the teacher would never say anything they would just hold the bat and be like and then just like walk and then it's like there was no way to actually play because nobody actually played because the the boys were doing great on their side and then the girls would just yeah muck around So here's the question, and I feel like I know the answer, even though, I mean, I've been a teacher here in Australia for 32 years with a little bit of a gap in between, and I remember what it was like for me at school, but with those health lessons you have over here and the PE lessons over here, did you ever feel like the two were linked together? No. No, never, actually. And that brings me to... My whole discussion around this concept of that I've created this genre of education called the new science of physical health. So I sat down with some students about three or four, about four years ago now, uh, after working with some professors of exercise physiology and medicine and public health and cardiology Mm -hmm. and a childhood physical activity research. And I go, you know what? It doesn't make any sense that there's no purpose to the PE lesson that's linked to their physical health outcomes. So I started, I, I have this, in fact, I'll send you this particular audio um, episode. I created, a, I created six steps to teach children 
how to connect up their physical, their less the health lesson to their mm-hmm. PE lesson, so that they they had a goal for health, even if they were playing a sport that they didn't like. And uh, so I call it the magical way because these kids just completely turned around, and all these kids that were not interested in sport because that's my big thing that I notice, and, and you you hit on it right there with those girls. By the time girls get to the ninth grade worldwide, okay, about 15 years of age, they're pretty much their body image has given up on sport. Yeah. Most, not all, but the majority, which means, and this is what I'm interested in with you and the Les Mills um, uh, fitness classes that you've done, this really fascinates me. Most girls give up on sport and then it goes hand in glove with giving up on being physically healthy and then lo and behold, they get to be in their 30s and 40s and they go to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, you've got some advanced heart disease or you've got high blood pressure, which is going to lead to a heart attack or a stroke. And I know most women don't know this, but the number one cause of death in Canada, number one cause of death for women in Canada, Scotland, England, Australia, United States of America, South Africa, United Kingdom, everywhere is heart attack and stroke. Cardiovascular disease. Cardiovascular disease, number one killer for women. And so there's, there's all this physical activity and PE going on in school, but we never have this brain connection of, well, what actually happens inside my body if I'm not physically active when I'm an adult? And so here you are 10 years out of school. And so you, I, what really got, caught my attention, I'm scrolling through my Les Mills On Demand feed because I'm really, I'm really into it now. I'm quite, I mean, you know, my, my first ever boss was the guy who invented it, basically, and took it international and throughout Australia, and I'm going, this is really fascinating. He has started a movement, and here you are in Canada. I go, whoa, that's someone in their 20s transforming their health, like, completely. And so, first of all, like, what were you doing before you started Les Mills? Was it in England or was it um, in Scotland or was it in, in Canada? Um, started. When did you just kick off with using Les Mills? Les Mills was in Canada. I discovered it here in Canada. I didn't know it existed when I lived in Scotland, but obviously it did because I've got a friend who I've since met here. She teaches body pump out here. Um, She's actually from Edinburgh. Oh, no. (laughs) She's Scottish as well. So she's like, yeah, I taught in Scotland and stuff, and now I'm over here, and I'm like, what, Les Mills is in Scotland? Yeah, (laughs) that's amazing. So what were you doing as a job, and what? how would you describe your health um, you know, two, three years ago, four years ago, before Les Mills. Right. Um, so I've kind of been like a yo-yo dieter. I have been. Yeah. I've tried to lose weight. 2011 to 2012, I did really well and lost, I think it was like 15 kilos. Um, what, 30 pounds, I guess? Yeah, that's a lot. Um, and that, I managed to keep that off for a couple of years and then I went to do my master's in 2014 to 15 and it all came back on because I had I I wasn't exercising anymore and um, at that point I was actually dieting really badly and it was really unhealthy what I was doing I was starving myself and exercising for three to four times like hours a day it was not good and that is not sustainable and that's why all the weight went back on so I learned very early on that's a bad way to do it but I was not in a headspace from 2015 to 2000 and 
19 um, to do anything about it. So between those years, that's when I got to my heaviest. My heaviest was the end of 2018. And it was the beginning of 2019. I was like, I, I need to make a difference because last year, <laughs> 2020, I was supposed to get married. That was the catalyst for me. Oh, okay, so that was your catalyst. So but yeah. a lot of people, and particularly I feel like this is the, the situation for a lot of women, uh, um, there's a ma- one of the things I have in the new science of physical health is what is the influence ratio of being overweight for your risk of getting heart cardiovascular disease? And being overweight actually has is nowhere near the highest risk factor. But what oh. nowhere near the highest risk factor. And that's like some kind of revelation to people. And I show them the science of what well, I've been taught. I've learned that being a, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a whole episode of a podcast and I have an online course coming out about um, that the actual science behind whether bit overweight is a, the biggest risk factor for cardiovascular disease yep. or if it's not that then what is it and it's in fact I can tell you now being overweight the factor that is the number one which I won't tell you on this call but the factor that is number one is four and a half times more powerful than losing weight Wow. Now, here's the interesting thing is the work that you're doing in Les Mills is using, is improving factor number one. So I'll talk about that in one of my podcasts and, and, okay. and go through that. But it is, um, in fact, also because you've taken the time to do this interview, I'm going to send it to you for free, the course, the oh. online course. You can just have the online course. So, um, and you go through what is the number one. But the Les yeah. work you're doing, and this is what impresses me so much about Les Mills, I know that what we, all of us, men included, but obviously it's pushed on the women more, it's to look good. And we, the word is aesthetics, how you look. And you also yeah. feel better when you look slim as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you want to look good for your wedding day and you want to feel yeah. good for your wedding day without question. That, um, everybody's like that. That's a normal psychological thing. But when it comes to your actual health, there are people that are a standard weight that are more physically at risk of cardiovascular disease than someone who is a little bit overweight. And I, I won't go into that right now, but that is part of the new science of physical health. We found out that there's this other thing that has a bigger influence, a much bigger right. influence than not we found out, but all the scientists that I work with. So I've got about 20 different PhDs that I spend working with on a regular basis, their medical research into the physiological changes that happen as a result of physical activity, what goes on inside the human body. Because that's the other thing I was um, going to ask you. When you So you started doing your Les... I'll come back to the Les Mills stuff first. You started doing your Les Mills because you primarily wanted to get, get ready for your wedding. Is that right? So, um, yeah, no. Um, I mean, I started doing Les Mills because I had it there and it was available to me. I yeah. actually got to use it for free because I worked at Good Life. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, a membership with Good Life. So um, they have the Les Mills live classes that instructors that you would do it with. Yeah. Um, but then they also have the on-demand service that in their fitness studios, they had the TV that you could go on and choose an on-demand class. Yeah. So as I was so overweight and I was so um, 
embarrassed and I didn't want to go to live classes. Having the fitness studio there was a, a great opportunity for me to go in, do my own thing in the, the yeah. darkness of night. Yeah. And um, and that's how I did those dance classes with my friend. Like on a Saturday morning, the fitness studio at our local gym was completely vacant. So we would go in and just dance around like idiots, enjoying yeah. Les Mills. Yeah. Um, but since, and it's it's not just because COVID, but it's because I now want to teach and get my certification. That's why I got Les Mills On Demand. Now, I bought it. I do have the subscription now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that, so, you, so you're doing it because you work, You had that opportunity to work there. I had the opportunity given to me, yeah. And, and, and the, the, um, the having, uh, being larger than you wanted to be, that's what kicked off that, that, that whole process. So you, yeah. you've used all the different genre of classes that they have. Is that right? Um, I started with Shabam, which is the dance classes. Yep. Um, then I moved on to Body Pump for strength training. Yep. Um, and now I do um, I, I, I do Shabam whenever I feel like it, like if I need a release or a little bit of like a happy dance, basically. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I do religiously do Body Combat and Grit now. Right. Okay. And those are pretty – here's a question I want to ask you because this relates to – so I have this course coming out called The Hill Secrets Machine. It's got seven steps to it, step one through step seven. So here's a question I want to ask you because I'm just curious doing what you do. Do have you – because I see this a lot on the Les Mills feeds, on the, on the news feeds. Do you use anything to track your progress, whether it's scales or a, a watch? Do you use anything at all? Yes, I actually have an Apple Watch. So, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't use it so much to track and then go back and analyze. I use it to because I'm competitive with myself. So, I want to hit my calorie and my ah. exercise. This has been a great thing to kind of propel me onto my ex- exercise, like trying to hit these like goals and get these little medals and things like that. Um, I did at the beginning when I was really heavy use scales, but I've since come to realize and learn and obviously from other people yeah. saying it scales are toxic they don't give the whole picture yeah. i'm gaining muscle but i'm not losing yeah anything on the scales so I mean, it doesn't really back to the apple watch question because yeah. this one has fascinated me as i go through les mills and it's a it's a very big part of the seven step formula that i use because i want I, I knew that there are all the scientists out here who were so i work with scientists who've got cardiology open heart surgery exercise physiology, exercise science, public health, all manner of different researchers from around the world that Mm -hmm. I spend time consulting, interviewing like this, working on their research and turning their work into simple lessons. So here's the question I've got back to your Apple Watch. Um, Why do you track calories for health? Do you know why? Thanks to the Scottish education system, no. (laughs) Don't worry. Just be blindly. Yeah, Sorry. it's not the Scottish education system, that's for sure. It's it's um, it's, uh, it's well. See, don't forget too when we well when you went to school, these things weren't around. No, so, um, so we weren't I, able to track. We weren't able to track calories, but now they're around, and I see this through all different fitness type um, Facebook groups that I belong to. Um, t- tracking calories particularly for, for uh, it seems to be written by females more than males, but yeah. it's um, uh, it, tracking calories is this metric. And so the question I always have is not to embarrass anybody because that's, a, that's oh. an absurd way to teach, is why do, do we know why we track calories 
for improving our health. Now, I feel like that most people, tell me whether this is what your thinking has been, if I hit a certain calorie goal, then I've burnt off enough calories I wouldn't put weight on. So that is, for me, and speaking to anyone else, I'm not a health professional. I don't come from a health background. That's a really good point because I say to people, don't go burning or thinking that you're burning that much calories and now that you can eat this. It's not about that. No. Food, food is substance, food is fuel, you need to eat, you shouldn't, I'll track my calories to have an idea because I don't want to go over, I do try and eat in a calorie deficit and that's how I've lost yeah. weight, yeah. but it's not about you've burnt that many calories, now you can have that. Yeah, because you can't. I try and say to people that's not healthy. Yeah, because you can't out-exercise a bad eating pattern. No. You just can't. No, you can't. So here's it's- the question then is, why do people track calories? Because Do they think it's a measurement of how hard they've worked? So I think that's a really, really good question, and I think you should be asking that to absolutely everyone. But for mm-hmm. me as an engineer, I understand that what a calorie is, and that it's a measurement of energy. Yes, it is. Believe. Yes, so, it is. so for me, I understand what that is, but then a lot of people will just see the number on their watch and then look at the box of whatever food they've got and be like, okay, subtracts from that, I can have this. Yeah. Yeah. which technically that's not how it should be viewed. Well, I yeah. personally track calories to get my medals. It's yeah. not about that I've burnt this much or I've done this much today, I can have that. No, I can have that regardless because yeah. I need to eat 2,200 calories to actually basically stay alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's here, me, again, coming from my engineering background. Yeah, so you've got, a, you've got a different background and every person has, but it's beautiful to talk to someone. And you, we said this in our messages when I reached out to you. I actually don't want to speak to the health professional because that's because here's what I believe. All the work that health professionals have done around the world is not making a dent in encouraging more people to improve their personal physical health status. Yeah. So if you combine all the gyms, all the – now, there's good stuff available and it's got to be there. Like Les Mills' demand, from, in my opinion, Bill Robinson, my first ever boss, who took that around the world, thank goodness for him because now that tool is available yeah. and I, I'm amazed that that guy's even thought about it. I can't wait to interview him after this interview because I really want to dig into how he came up with the idea and, you know, his, his Yeah, mission. I'm excited to find out as well. Yeah, he, you know, and his mission and passion. But what's interesting to me is, is that we, not only you at 28 years of age, but people who are 18 years of age and 15 years of age are not, have no have never had the, just like Les Mills was not never once there, mm-hmm. this genre of education I've got called the new science of physical health, I want people to, it's like a bit like, we all know being from England or the, the British Isles, um, Scotland for you, um, and me being Commonwealth country, we all know who David Attenborough is. Everybody knows David Attenborough, okay? Like, nature uh, man. <laughs> like, well, the nature man. And so my objective is to and the way I, what I think that David Attenborough did that no one else ever did was he got the world interested in nature. Yes, he did. My son is eleven years of age, and my wife and my son and I sit down and watch that stuff, and it's fascinating. Like because he puts it in a way that a teacher at school never put it, and so that's oh, yeah. that's why it's spread around the world. So I'm thinking, based on what I know, is there's got to be a way to get people interested who are not interested right now into this world they never knew existed about mm. their own about their own body 
that's yeah, the, I agree. And um, and it's funny because coming back to the calorie thing is that um, calories virtually have no impact on your health. So improve. So your risk. So the number one cause of sickness and death is cardiovascular disease. Number two is cancer. So eight, 18 million people this year will die of cardiovascular disease and 8.2 million die of cancer. There is a particular part of the human physiology that if you improve it, and it's got nothing to do with calories. Oh, hang on, I just got someone at the door. Hang on two Sorry. seconds. I, just, I think it's a postman. <laughs> scared the oh. life. I'll be back. Ten seconds. Sure. All right. <laughs> I never get the postman at all, (laughs) and he's dropping off a parcel (laughs) just when I'm doing an interview. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, you look at the way that calories work, and it's like if cardiovascular disease is the number one cause, my thing is, okay, well, why don't we tackle stuff and get people interested in that world and make it fascinating for them? So, yeah. you know, that's kind of, and I think you've, have you had a chance to listen to a little bit of some of the stuff that I put on podcast? Yes. Yeah, I did. Okay, good. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a start just there. So people track calories and it seems, that seems to be the big one with people on Les Mills On Demand. Yeah. Is that because, I, I, Sorry. I, I, I think sometimes it's um, it's getting into dangerous territory because some people might get too obsessed by it and have to hit that goal every day thinking that, okay, now I can eat. Yeah. And I, I talked with one of the professors. He's a professor from Norway, actually. And um, and he, I asked him this question. I said, things like the Apple Watch, I said, do you think that they put stuff in there to, for people to be able to use whether it's calories, steps, distance, time, heart, all that different stuff. I said to him, are there things in there that are pretty much useless? And he goes, there's plenty of stuff in there that from a improving your health point of view is a waste of time. Now, if you're a sports person, different. But yeah. I mean, how many of us are sports people 10 years after school? Good question. <laughs> if, you, if I was to ask you of all your friends that you know and all the people you work with, how many of them play sport on a regular basis? <laughs> Do you know any? Nope. Nope. It's fascinating because it's exactly the same over here. It's like everybody's out working. What, is your, um, what does your partner do? What's your partner's name? Um, his name is Guillaume. Guillaume. How, yeah, and what and do you do for a career? He is an industrial project manager. Oh wow! I don't even know what I don't even know what an industrial project manager is. <laughs> What's that? Basically, it's the same as a project manager for anything else, but he specialises in um, working in like big factory settings. Yep. So he actually works for I don't know if you know Bombardier right now. No, no I don't. No, they um, well he he works in the aerospace division with them. So they do like a lot of the trams here in Toronto. There's trams in Paris that Bombardier have um, developed and made. Um, he helps with the assembly lines of private jets, actually. Wow. Gee, that's amazing. That's, a, that's once again, a really different field. So yeah. <laughs> I want to come back to your Les Mills stuff and just kind of get towards wrapping up for it so I don't take too much of your evening. So um, how many, like, so you started off a good life, but you, that was... How many years after school were you working there? Was it like four or five years after school? 
It was 2017, so I finished school in 2010. Oh, so seven years. Seven years. And again, I didn't start working at Good Life for the fitness aspect. It was immigrating over to Canada and getting a job anywhere was very difficult. It was the only thing that was available, and it was a front desk sales job. Wow. So it wasn't anything to do with fitness either. It was yeah. just selling memberships and doing background work like paperwork and things. I was the, the administrator, basically. Yeah, okay. So then here's the question. Between 2010, 2010 when you left school and 2017, were you, were you physically active at all as an adult? Apart from between 2011 to 2012, or 13, I should say, yeah. of trying to lose weight. Yeah. It was successful, and I'm doing that in air quotations, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I lost the weight, but it was unhealthy the way that I did it. Yeah. So it was- other than that, no, I was not physically active. Yeah, okay. So then, um, were you sporty at school? So you said you played softball, but that was about it? But that was softball because of my per- my P- like physical education classes. Yeah. It was because it was mandatory to do. Um, yeah, but other right. than that, I wouldn't have said that I was sporty, but... I did do horse riding for ten years, and that's way harder than people think. Horse riding. Oh yeah, it's it's physically taxing just for trying to drag the horses everywhere. It is. is. I had a horse for about one year when I was twelve. That's much harder than you expect. So then, here's my question: You become an adult. It's no longer mandatory. No one's going to make you do anything, right? And whatever lessons you had in physical education and health education at school, they certainly didn't prep you for the for the for the own world. Here's the question I've got. If you hadn't got that random job at Good Life in Canada, would you have ever gone into Les Mills's, do you think? That's a fantastic question. And I do ask myself that because the the whole community with Les Mills is amazing. And yeah. I've met so many lifelong friends from it. Wow. And I'm eternally grateful for my health now because of Les Mills. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I want to now work for Les Mills and get my certification in Shabam and Body Combat. Yeah. But um in actual fact, I don't know what would have happened. It helped, again, having it there and readily available, given to me on the palm of my hand, working there. Um, but I probably would have still forced myself to get a gym membership of some sort yeah. because in the in my head, I was not driven for health benefits to lose weight. I wanted to never feel like I resent my wedding photos in the future. I don't want to look the way that I did for my photos, basically. Yeah, yeah. Since then, though, my whole mindset has changed of health and fitness. I am such an advocate for health and fitness for the mental clarity that you have. Yeah. It's not about the health. Well, it's, it's completely about the health benefits, but it's but, the mental benefits. Mental it's health. not physical anymore. Yeah, 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 because so you do. Now, here's the interesting thing is the mental health stuff, the, the motivating factor, which is switched to mental for you, is having these incredible changes in your body that you don't even, yeah. not, you're not aware of. So I'm going, I wanted to say, um, like, I want to do this. I want to say thank you very much for joining me on the show. Um, like it's fascinating to find someone who is just a regular person, do a regular job and has had that journey of transformation that you've had. Um, that is, I mean, that is, that's what really struck me when I saw it. I go, whoa, this is a person. I don't see many people in their 20s doing that. And there's usually that something got to my age and said, oh, I've had enough, I need to change, blah, 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 you know, it's going to be a rad. And that's the type of person you normally see. So it was really impressive to see someone recognize early on in life that, you know, I've got to do something about it. 
um, because it will improve everything, not just my physical yeah. appearance. Hey, everybody, I just looked at the time on this episode. This is absolutely fantastic. I was so engrossed in putting this episode together. I didn't realize we were out to an hour and seven minutes at this point in time. It's almost like one of my mini audiobooks. But you know why? I really wanted to bring the Kirsty story to you in full. I was thinking about doing it in two parts, but uh, you know we're not going to do that. We've now I finished that episode. We actually finished the record the conversation almost right there, but then we carried it on a little bit more, and we got more into the inspiration side. So here's what I'm going. I said to Kirsty that I'm going to do. I'm going to do a second interview with her about some of the inspiration and some of the attitude side that she's developed because she's so enthusiastic. And as you'll see, remember, go to her Instagram account and click on it and follow her Instagram account. Let's bump those numbers up and um, see the stuff that she's posting there so that you know that someone who's normal is applying the principles behind the step seven-step blueprint of the new science of physical health. Now, she was already doing that part of it before she met me. And now I've given her one little tool that's going to help her get along a bit more and uh, track one thing in particular, which is the core principle inside the seven step, the seven frameworks inside the blueprint. All right, everybody, that is a wrap on today's show. We have got some very cool stuff coming up, um, as I said earlier in the show, with Bill Robinson. Soon, um, it's uh, when we're recording this, or as, sorry, as this is going out, it's around the middle of January, uh, early in the year, and I think he's still away on holidays. Um, he's going to come back, and then we're going to get together, and uh, we're going to put together this interview. The creator of the on Les Mills Asia Pacific and Les Mills uh, International co-founder uh, co as well. So much to say, because he was my first boss. I worked for him all those years ago, and he had the vision to bring, to make it a fitter planet. That's what they say on, on, that, on the, um, that program. So that's his goal. Can't wait to bring you that episode. Might not be the next one, might be a couple of episodes down, but we're gonna continue this through our theme of the Inspire Initiative. Thanks for today's episode, everybody, and I'll see you the next one. Bye for now.